it is a very unfortunate time of year in the state of Indiana as moments ago we just wrapped up the final feature of 2021 NOS Energy Drink Indiana Sprint Week. What a week. Um, It was incredible and we're going to dive into it in this episode. I'm going to give you guys kind of a brief like overview for those who don't know what Indiana Sprint Week is um, and kind of what happens. So Welcome back to the Pit Pass Podcast, um, and let's talk Indiana Sprint Week. So, um, kind of kicking it off, um, short track racing, first and foremost, I want to just say something about that. I'm I'm a big advocate for short track racing. Um, you know, we don't get the Tony Stewart's, Kyle Larson, Jeff Gordon, um, you know, the AJ Foyt's, people like that, we don't get them without short track racing, um, in, in their heritage. Um, and I think modern motorsports, um, especially the open wheel side of things, unfortunately has kind of gone away from that. Um, but in, in NASCAR, um, everything is super rushed. Um, you know, it's, let's get to Arca and then let's get to the trucks, let's get to Xfinity and then to the cup series. Um, drivers are rushed up the ladder system, but, um, I've had the privilege of living in, probably the greatest state for open wheel racing. Um, you know, obviously stock car, stock car country is down, down South, North Carolina, South Carolina, um, Tennessee in that area. But as far as open wheel racing, I really feel like Indiana is just the place to be. Um, and you know, the history of the Indianapolis, you know, 500, a lot of those guys came from running dirt cars and running dirt sprint cars and midgets. And, um, you know, I've grown a bigger appreciation for what those guys back in the day did, um, by going to the dirt tracks every weekend and seeing what guys are doing there now. Um, so I'm going to kind of just give a brief rundown of what Indiana sprint week is, um, and what it means in regards to racing here locally. But, um, basically what it is, is um, it is a sanctioned week put on by USAC, which is the United States Auto Club, um, and they run the National Sprint Car Tour, National Midget Tour, and the Silver Crown Series um, that tours all around the nation. So they are the largest sanctioned non-wing um, racing series in the country right now um, as far as you know, drivers and quality of racing, um, their schedule. You know, we have the World of Outlaws, but that's not the same thing. They've got wings. It's a completely different budget. Um, But, yeah. So, basically, what they do is they run basically a week straight of racing. Um, There's about two days off. They start on Thursday. or Let's see. They start on Friday this year. Normally, they start on Thursday. Um, Started on Friday. They race Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then they have Monday, Tuesday off. And then they race Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so it's seven races in, I believe what they, yeah, seven races in nine days. Um, this year it turned out to be a little bit more than that. They didn't really get as much of a midweek break. Um, but it was certainly cool, um, to kind of see, um, the week unfold the way that it did. Cause I think the, the weather that we had definitely played into, um, you know, how a lot of these tracks raced. So, um, I was fortunate enough to make it to three races, um, of the seven that happened, I was about to go to Lincoln park. Um, but just ended up being really tired from being at Terre Haute the night before and had to work all day. Just wasn't going to work. Um, and then Bloomington was just going to be too much of a hike with how 
lovely Indiana highways are right now. So um, let's jump into it. So Friday night, we got through qualifying at Gas City. Rain comes down. Track is a mess. Got to come back on Monday to run that. So we don't get a race in. Saturday, forecast is clear all day. Um, and we start rolling with the event, and we're getting into um, kind of the end portion of the night, and there is most definitely a storm coming. Um, everybody was kind of starting to get notifications on their phone that there was going to be a storm in about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so USAC at this point was – they were done with heats. Um, they started to try to push the show along really quick. Um, and there was just a lot of really dumb stuff. There was a wreck in the D main, either the D main or the C main. I, I think it, the D main, there was a wreck and there were six cars left. So they transferred all of them to the C main, the C main, there was a big flip. Um, and that delayed it even more. We get to the semi, we run the semi. Um, and so we're pushing the show on, they get the A main pushed out and we go green. Um, and they get about 18 laps in and it started to rain and lightning too much for them to finish. So Justin Grant, um, in the top motorsports number four was able to pick up the win. Um, so that was a crazy night. We got absolutely dumped on walking to the car. Um, but I think they could have got that feature in. they had a car that flipped and forced us to go red. Um, and it was a pretty nasty, like cleanup. There was fuel and stuff like that. The fuel tank got dislodged from the car. So I think we probably would have finished that feature, at least got to lap 25, which is more of a complete feature than lap 18. Um, but it is what it is. So then Sunday they go to Lawrenceburg. I was again going to attempt to go to that one, but it was spotty with the radar and being where I'm located. It just didn't make sense. Um, and that one was pretty nuts. Um, the heat races were pretty solid. And then the main was just it was just insane, um, kind of the turn of events. But Logan CV, who I knew was going to be good there, um, given where his starting spot was, goes and picks off um, win number one of his sprint week um, and first sprint week win ever for him. So that was super cool. Um, then we roll into Monday at Gas City, and, man, that we were able to go back for the makeup race on Monday, so we were there. It is the gnarliest Gas City track I've ever seen um in probably about 10 years ago on that racetrack maybe longer i don't remember the first time i went out there but it's been a long time um two groove track super rough lots of ruts um very bumpy very technical um awesome it was it was the best gas city feature i think i've ever watched just the amount of action that was going on all through the pack um it was great so anyways same deal. Logan CB gets out front and just destroys everybody. Um, Brady Bacon charged through the field and got the second, but it's like I was telling my buddies, um, he didn't have what Logan CB had around that place and was able to hit the holes right, um, and he just he didn't have it um, like what Logan did. So Logan, again, now he's at two in a row. We go into Tuesday. It's a day off. Um, and we go to Terre Haute. Me and my buddy Corbin made the drive to Terre Haute. Um, I love that place. It is just, if you've never been to Terre Haute, it is worth making the drive, um, wherever you're located to just see how gnarly that place is. But, um, pretty straightforward Terre Haute night. Um, other than the modified feature taking two hours to complete, just kidding. It was, it was just ridiculous. The same, same guy, same guy that threw a steering wheel at mid Ohio in the super truck race, Bola Mastis decides to spin out, I think four times, um, and completely destroy his car before the technical feature was even halfway over. 
Um, but yeah, so we got that done. Future rolls in and CV's on the pole. Um, and that was it. Uh, he, he was gone. He had the best car and, and that was that. Um, it was just, the, the curb was unreal on the top of Terre Haute. I've watched a lot of Terre Haute races before just on YouTube and whatnot. I've never seen a curb like that, but him and Justin Grant were the only two that had it figured out and they just, they blazed the top and that was that. Um, so another win for Logan TV, three in a row, show up to Putnamville, which this is the one that I want to talk about because for those who watched, um, know that there was controversy get into the future i think cv was pretty well buried brady bacon who is his main competition for sprint week did not start the feature which was huge for bacon's sprint week and was even bigger for logan trying to gap um the guys behind him unfortunately for cv the guy who he did not need to win tanner thorson goes out and wins the darn race without you know getting too far into it basically the controversy that is going to be all over the internet when you look up this race is um cj leary jumped the cushion um because tanner was throwing a slide line um he jumped the cushion probably out of fright that tanner was going to hit him and tanner got around him after the race leary wants to claim that thorson muscled him out of the way and hit him there was no contact it's blatantly obvious as day when you watch the video um and there was a big giant shouting match in victory lane girlfriends were involved team owners involved it was awesome such great tv um but no faults Taryn thorson in my book um i think cj leary whined a lot and i don't think it was a good look but that's just my opinion um so put that behind us we go to bloomington Taryn thorson picks up his first sprint week win of his career um we go to bloomington and that one, I really believe Tanner Thorson was going to win that race until he blew his tire um, after he had just passed Leary clean yet again. Um, but Brady Bacon does Brady Bacon things and picks up the win, bounces back from the motor issues the night before. And now the Sprint Week race is just crazy going into the final race, which was tonight. And it got even wilder. So um, going into the night, CV qualified six. I think Bacon was 10th, which was significant. Um, quick time went to Jaden Rogers, who was, wasn't really in the frame for a sprint week title. I think he was too far out. Um, but it shook things up right off the bat. We get into heat races and, um, I don't know what to say about it. Cause it was just so unreal, but, um, the pole sitter for Logan CV's heat basically slid up, chopped somebody that guy slid down, chopped somebody else and therefore got Logan CV tangled up and he went end over end. Um, that was his sprint week gone right there. Um, there was probably no way that he was going to be able to bounce back from that, um, getting buried unless he, you know, was the pole sitter, um, for like, if he would have been the, the quick time, I don't think there was going to be any way he was going to be able to, to get himself out of that. Um, because the heat later, Brady Bacon barely transfers in, um, and, yeah, so it gets real close um, between the top three because now Kevin Thomas Jr. was in the picture. We go into the feature. Um, Justin Grant absolutely obliterates everybody, wins the race. KTJ brings it home second. Bacon, I believe, was ninth or 10th, and CV was 13th. And that handed Kevin Thomas Jr. the Sprint Week title, much like happened last year with Chase Stockton not winning a race Neither did Kevin Thomas Jr. this year, but he was the most consistent every night running up front, 
um, finishing inside the top 10 and it paid off. Um, so overall super entertaining week of racing. Um, and I, that's a really brief summary. I would highly recommend going and watching either the future highlights or the full replays on flow racing to just see how the nights panned out. It was just nuts. Um, but why this is significant to Indianapolis, um, and kind of just the surrounding area, um, and, and the racing world in general. Um, and I, I, it bums me out that I see so many people who are like the world of outlaws is gaining so much traction with a lot of, um, younger motorsports content creators and, um, you know, guys that are on Twitter, um, where things are pretty, you know, you see it on Twitter, it's pretty popular, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's where things get traction. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of people that pay attention to the world of outlaws, but they're really missing good quality, raw driving with the USAC, um, Amsoil national sprint car series, um, and the midgets. But, um, yeah. And why this is significant is this is the closest thing to what we saw AJ Foyt driving, um, back in the day and what Parnelli Jones drove and what Al Unzer drove Mario Andretti, um, when they were running at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the early days, this is what made the men from the boys. Um, and it still is in my opinion, in my opinion, the guys that strap into these sprint cars are absolute nuts. They're crazy. Um, but this is this is the closest thing to raw racing um, that we have um, as far as a car goes because the the way that you have to drive a sprint car is way more technical than it is any other car um, out there. You know, asphalt stuff there has its own challenges, um, and there you know this is not discrediting you know asphalt drivers by any means, but a sprint car or a midget, the driver is so important. And the car is so important. Like the car has to be perfect. The driver has to be perfect. There has to be a perfect combination. Um, but there are cases where guys can adapt and drive a crappy car and, and win. Um, but it's important locally because this is what the Indianapolis 500 was. Um, this is where these guys were born. This is where the legends of this, of our race, um, were born. They were born on the dirt tracks. They were born on, um, you know, tracks that were not in the biggest city in their, um, state there, you know, Kokomo Speedway is a legendary racetrack, Terre Haute. Um, you know, there's races out there, the Tony Holman classic, the Jim Herdebees classic. Those, those two names there play a lot of significance in the early days of the Indianapolis 500. Good Lord. Um, struggling to talk a little bit. It's a little late at night cause this feature ended late, but, um, yeah, it's it's significant and I really want to see um you know more people jump on the train and start paying attention to the racing cuz the racing is top notch. Um it's been the best it's been I think the last 2 years than it has in a long time. Um and I think one person to applaud for that would be Doug Bowles out at IMS. Um the BC39 event is coming up at IMS and that is connecting the Indianapolis 500, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway um, the Brickyard, um, Speedway, Indiana to the short track community and the dirt track community, um, with the United States auto club with, with the midget race. Um, so I think that's going to be another really successful event. It was the first time, uh, it sold out, I believe the first time. And the second time I believe was a near sellout. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crucial. And I, I'm glad that Penske Corp sees the significance in keeping this event because I think 
Um, in the long run, we want to see the guys like Justin Grant and Brady Bacon who have been running these these cars their whole life. We want to see them get to Indianapolis. Um, you know, a great role model and influence of mine, Robin Miller, has always claimed that, you know, these are the guys that, that would probably, you know, be really, really good in in an indie IndyCar situation on an oval. Um, but being the dynamics and politics behind putting a 500 deal together um, in today's sport, it's a little trickier. Um, so all that to say to wrap it up, uh, my encouragement to anybody that has listened to this podcast, um, I don't know how many will actually listen to this episode because it's not pertaining to IndyCar, Formula One, NASCAR, some other stuff that I've put out. Um, my encouragement would be sit down on your maps and find your local dirt track. Um, go to usacracing.com, uh, find out when the next USAC event is near you and go and check it out. Um, you're not going to regret the $30 that you pay to get in the gate um, and you know the maybe $10 that you'll spend on concessions while you're there. You're going to see a very, very raw um, and bare bones fight to the death battle of a race. Um, I mean, it's, it is incredible racing. Um, it has definitely caused me to more appreciate motorsports as a whole, just by going to more of these races last year during COVID when we weren't allowed to go to the big tracks. Cause you know, that's a whole other issue, but I went to plenty, plenty of dirt races last year. Um, in fact, I think it was about 20 dirt races total that I went to, um, over the course of the season. But, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, if you're in Indiana, a couple tracks just to name off, uh, Gas City I-69 Speedway and Gas City, Indiana. Phenomenal track. Kokomo Speedway in Kokomo, Indiana. My favorite dirt track of all time. Love that place. Um, the Terre Haute Action Track down in Terre Haute. Another really historic place, especially for you guys that are into like the history of the Indianapolis 500. That's a good one to go um, and say you've seen because a lot of, a lot of big names have raced there. Um, Lincoln Park Speedway down in Putnamville slash the Greencastle area. Um, that's another, again, pretty historic track down there. Um, Lawrenceburg Speedway down by Cincinnati. Super cool place. You can get La Rosa's Pizza while you're there, which is kind of cool. Um, and then Hobstot, the class track down in Hobstot, Indiana, um, just north of Evansville, I believe, um, is another great one. I'm trying to think if I'm leaving any out. Circle City Speedway um, just opened here in Indianapolis. It's another really convenient dirt track, um, and it's a brand new dirt track, which is even better. Um, so that's a good one as well. But, oh, Paragon. Paragon got resurrected too. So there's another one. There's several tracks. Um, go check one out. Um, go see a USAC 410 Sprint Car Show. Go see a USAC Midget Show. You will not be disappointed, and it will completely change your perspective on racing. Um, going to compl- in a completely different direction here, I'm going to not talk about Formula One and what's happened in the last like month with Formula One. Um, it's too political. Um, yeah, it's, it's just silly. It doesn't need any more discussion, as Max Verstappen said today, but... Coming up with the IndyCar Nashville Grand Prix, um, decided to stay home from this one just because ticket prices got really high and um, I'm not sold on paying money for partial vision of a track. So going to watch on TV this year, see how it is, maybe go next year, um, but did get my tickets to the IMS road course race as well as Gateway. So we'll see another two IndyCar races this year. Looking forward to that. 
um, and lots more dirt racing coming up. So thank you guys for tuning in to this kind of very quickly run through episode. It is one o'clock in the morning here in Indianapolis, but wanted to put this out so that everybody could kind of hear some just real quick thoughts about Indiana Sprint Week, um, short track racing and USAC racing in general. So I'm going to continue to cover this on the podcast and on my Twitter account um, throughout the rest of the season. So feel free to check in with my socials. I will have a lot of um, video content, pictures, um, and just kind of live tweeting the whole thing if you would be interested in seeing that. Also check out Flow Racing. Um, I cannot plug them enough. They are an awesome subscription service. Um, I'm not paid to plug them by any means, but um, you know we're getting into the streaming era, and if you're looking for good motorsports um, streaming platforms, that would be the one I would suggest to start with because you're going to see all sorts of different kinds of racing. So with that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in um, to this late night episode of the Pit Pass podcast, and I will catch you guys in the next episode.